Welcome to We'll See You in Hell, the podcast that is part of the Fangoria Podcast Network. For more info about that network, including other shows, maybe you want to follow them, maybe you want to follow us, you want to find episodes of our show or their shows, whatever, go visit Fangoria.com. And here we are, my friend, Pat, Patty Walsh. Hey, gang. And I are sitting here, <clears throat> second beer of the night, about to discuss... The Conjuring Part 2, and then also probably The Conjuring. Yeah, uh, I think we're hitting that. It's it's probably just out of theaters, headed towards DVD. You don't want to spoil something. Ghostbusters felt like we had to talk about it because it was so much in the public eye. Conjuring 2, you should have seen it by now if you were going to see it. So um, that's your spoiler alert disclaimer. Spoiler alert, right. Uh, Are we going right in, huh? You, you want to... To the discussion, I mean. We could. The conjuring discussion. Yeah, we could. <laughs> we, I, we front-loaded the last one with a lot of chit-chat. We can, we can chit-chat. Well, I, I, I mean, we were just recorded the last one. That's and true. nothing's really happened in the five minutes <laughs> of break time that we took. No, no. Uh, what, what, I got what, nothing else. I'll tell you, my ass is sweating right now. It's getting oh, a little hot in here. On a leather chair, it's always a nice feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get that itch. We'll go into it. We can, of course, veer off as we always do. My my review is this. Conjuring 1, saw it up here with my lady up at the Vista like a Friday night, 10 p.m. Uh, and that place is kind of a, the perfect place to see a horror movie. It's got all these, like, you know, uh, gypsies with glowing eyes, you know, sculptures up. And, you know, it's very yeah. old, old-timey. I love it there. Yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane, Late Show with You, The Visit fucking loved it's also a theater that traditionally the, the audience gets very into the movies audience was loud there was this grown man who screamed in, in such an effeminate manner in uh the conjuring that the audience laughed for like five full minutes afterwards it was such a great genuine <laughs> scream just had a blast this is the I, first one now the first one i thought it was certainly one of the better Horror movies of the past, you know, five, six years. Now, Pat, before you even continue, it sounds like you're ramping up. I'm ramping, baby. It sounds like you're ramping up to say you maybe didn't like this second one. I'm ramping. I. You going to sit there and tell me you didn't like The Conjuring 2? I was deeply bored by The Conjuring 2. Uh, I wasn't scared remotely. I thought it kind of lost all the charm of the original. I think a big part of it was Lily Taylor, who's great, and the kids and everything. The clapping thing was just a great gimmick that they executed so well. This had no set pieces to hold my interest that I can recall. Uh, No real jumps. The nun walking around wasn't scary in any way. Story kind of held together. It was just boring as shit. And uh, those two ghost hunters, I'm getting bored of them. You know, you're getting bored of them. Patrick Wilson can't be in every goddamn movie. It's enough. <laughs> give some, give some to Thomas Jane once in a while. Well, I mean, you can't recast, you can't no, recast Patrick Wilson I, now. I, know. I, I get sick of all the Wilson, and you know, for Myga, I do like her. I really loved her in Orphan, which is a great fucking horror movie. Orphan is shit. Oh, <laughs> and your everything so far that you've said about Conjuring Two is wrong. You didn't like Orphan. Okay, well let's let's veer off let's, to Orphan okay. for a second here. All right. Yeah, no, Orphan is cool and the twist is so stupid that it ruins the entire movie. I think the twist is one of the best twists. Oh for Christ's sakes. It's, and most it's, memorable twist. It's it's an it's idiotic that I have seen. The twist is idiotic. It. I loved it and have maybe even better than The Conjuring. I have maybe never had a better time at a horror movie than going to see Orphan. I, w- the audience was howling with laughter, screaming. The scares are real. The character shit's real. She's great in it. Skarsgård's great in it. Fucking Orphan's great in it. Uh, I loved it. I, uh, uh, I think the twist is so ludicrous. Boy, I, I love that. When she, spoiler alert, reaches over and starts feeling his upper thigh there, the audience was flipping out and for for to be flipping out that much in a non-scare scene in a horror movie i was like that's a twist that fucking works 
that's a that's a twist that goes for it. It it doesn't. I know they had an alternate ending because I'm sure they were like, guys, we're gonna need to test this ridiculous <laughs> ending. Certainly ridiculous. You know, to me, it was it was every bit as like fun uh, and kind of exciting a reveal as like the end of fucking Psycho. It takes a big swing. Uh, and it and it worked for me. It's 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 that the part where she seduces him is so uh, uh, believable. Genius. Yeah, it's executed in such a believable fashion uh, that I was convinced this girl's got to be eighteen and she just looks young or something. Yeah, and it's like no, she's thirteen <laughs> and actually breathed in his ear like that, which is kind of weird. But sure. that's not why I didn't like the movie. Uh, that was a very ballsy scene, and uh, my hat's off to him for for doing something that daring. But I, I you don't look if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to ruin the twist. That thing, she's forty five, she's not eight. Yeah. Get out of the house. It's like nobody with that like Gary Coleman condition looks that convincingly like a child when they're forty five. They're small. <laughs> But they look like a small, older person. I mean, look. My heart is dead as a door now. <laughs> Why is it that I can open myself up to these things in movies and you can't? I, it would never even occur to me to play the logic professor on that one and been like, well, now, would she really look like that? I'm like, hey, gang, great fucking twist. It's a shitty twist, especially Were you surprised? When... Well, No. No, I wasn't surprised, and I was I was very disappointed. I didn't. I I I can't recall if I guessed it or not. I movie, remember uh, the movie leading up to it. I remember I was wholly disappointed that there was nothing supernatural at play. I thought that okay. was what was that that was what was keeping my attention. That was what was keeping this exciting for me. I loved that. See, that's crazy to me that you would have rolled with a supernatural twist. Yes, but not the very real thing that happens in it she's there's so many logic loopholes you have to jump through i jumped to 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 actually believe that a 45 year old woman has been pulling this off successfully for 30 years or whatever it's been it's like why why can't you just jump i don't want to jump i'll tell you what i jumped at the conjuring too it scared the shit out of me i had a great time i and i will say this yep just to set us off in the right direction, and I mean this, and it's going to burn your butt. <laughs> I think The Conjuring 2 was the correct version of The Conjuring 1. I thought it was a similar Folks. story. I said they did everything they did wrong in the first one right in this one. Folks, you heard it here. I mean, look, <laughs> I think horror is just in a real bad patch. When I said The Conjuring is one of the most fun horror movies the past few years, I meant it. I don't think it's a masterpiece, but it's far, far, far superior to two. That's insane. And I'm shocked that you were scared by anything. It was scary. It was suspenseful. It was really scary. Scariest part of Conjuring 2 was the trailer for that new uh, Ouija Board 2 movie, which looks kind of horrifying. How dare you? You you come into my home. I didn't see Ouija Board 1. It's not, well, it's not called Ouija (laughs) Board, first of all. I know. Uh, and it's a bad remake of a bad 80s movie. Um, but didn't see any any of you know the what? above. I didn't see the Ouija's either. I don't know why I just said it like I saw them. I'm just only assuming that it's not a great movie. It didn't look great. Ouija 2 does gym. look pretty cool. Yeah, it looks scary. I, and Lights Out looks scary. But let's not veer off. Scary. Conjuring 2. Conjuring 2. Because I really want to go through why I think this. I keep trying to veer off because it, it bored me. You know, like I... I they did everything right that the first movie did wrong. Number one, it was rated R and not PG-13. Was it? Yes. For what? For being scary. I don't know. Really? They went PG-13 and they have a massive worldwide smash. And then they went to R for the sequel? I think so. Let me look it up. Hold Folks, on. I mean, somebody's got to challenge these wild claims. Uh, I'm looking it up. Go on, because you you were making a list, and that'll give me time to look. First it up. of all, they, they it's it's rated R, and the first one wasn't. Might not be true. Second of all, it's they go. It's such a it's such a more interesting and believable concept of the haunted house story, or approach to the haunted house story than the first one is. The first one is literally just 
they move into this house and then suddenly something's bothered, like haunting them. And oh, I guess it came from this music box. Second one, once again, it comes from music box and it comes from a horrifying music box because it's that like lanky man dancing around in it. Yeah, that guy shows up later. I okay. love the idea I, that that little scene with him at the end of the hall in the little tent. Some of that stuff worked. I, I thought he drew out the jolts way, way like it, like like as far as jolt scares goes. I go, I go. Justin Lin is a is a master. I, like, yeah. Well, he drew him out to the extent that the movie was, as I just saw, two hours and fifteen minutes long. Was it rated R? It was rated R. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a crazy choice, and probably why they lost a ton of money on the sequel. Uh they didn't lose a ton of money, did they? That well, the, you know, the gross in terms of one to two went down about two hundred million dollars. I think. I, I I loved it. I rewatched one after I saw two. Now my mom, I had my mom and dad with me when I saw the movie. My mom, it was the most scared I've ever seen a human being in a movie in my life. Really? She was cov- literally covering her face and threatening to leave. She was she was so scared. My God, I had nothing. Two days later, we watched The Conjuring 1. My mom said, is this going to scare me as bad? I said, it's nothing compared to the second one. She sat there and just halfway through goes, you're right, this isn't scary. It it just paled in comparison. The only really scary part in the first one is the, the clap part is scary. Oh, yeah. And then the part where the lady's like on top of the dresser or the, or the, or the, the wardrobe thing. Yeah, what it might, I mean, look. I know what I saw. It might be a Friday night sold out packed house screaming and yelling helped conjuring one a bit for me and seeing uh, part two at the Armenian Grove, the Glendale Galleria. Right. With about four people in attendance at about a 4.45 p.m. show. Well, there you go. But I I was still I was so bored and I checked my uh, phone eight million times to see what time it was. I, I Eight don't million understand. times. I don't understand that you have the audacity. Buddy, I saw it with hated it too. You have the audacity to sit here as the co-host of a horror, predominantly horror movie podcast. Yeah. And to talk like this, just right out of your ass into a mic. I could say the same to you about Orphan, and, and I just did. I think to slap in the face of Orphan is a grave mistake. Meanwhile, we talked, hey, well, you and I saw Insidious 3 together. Maybe we could talk about that. We're both like, eh, I don't even remember it. There's nothing to say about it. Orphan... Everybody remembers Orphan. That says something right there. Well, everybody remembers Plan 9 from Outer Space. It doesn't mean it's a good movie. You know, everybody remembers... You You remember a lot of things. You know, I remember watching Divine eat dog shit, literally, at the yeah. end of Pink Flamingos. Then to me, it's a, it's I, I, a good Which movie. I love, but I'm not saying that that's a... It means it's good. I just, yeah. She just eats dog shit. There's so many movies that, like, on the drive home, I'm like... I don't even know if I remember one moment of that as being you know, standing out to me or being memorable or funny that I'll ever think about it again. Almost every time I go to the movies. Orphan, I remember it all. Beautifully shot. It was very beautifully shot. I remember the blood spill in the snow sequence was great kills. The was o- good. The opening uh, was so disgusting that I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to take it. And right. the whole rest of the movie pulls back on the gore. The openings that it's like it's a birth dream, where it's like very bloody and like an orphan tentacles. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it's a, there's it's a, tentacles. I guarantee that the uh, they were like, hey, we got more of a thriller on our hands here. You got to put something real disgusting up front, add it to the script. There's tentacles coming out of her vagina. Um, f- there's a lot of blood and like t- instruments and shit. But then I remember when the baby comes out, it's kind of like a deed demon tentacles type thing which is probably why you were thinking supernatural well look i'm gonna give orphan another shot on your please say do. so please do. on your say so please do. i'm gonna go revisit it with an open mind all right i own it if you want to borrow it uh i can afford my own dvds thank you very much all right i don't need any handouts. not blu-rays but you can't afford the dvd uh i don't buy horror on blu-ray because i like i like it to look as grainy as humanly possible you see house of the devil i did you love it I liked House of the Devil quite a bit. Yeah, that's a great. I, I actually, one of my favorite genres going now is the uh, kind of affectionate but still scary on its own tribute to like eighties horror. Yeah, it follows. Uh, you know, the guest, uh, your next, all those. Now I sat in a bar the other night with my friend Steve, who I love dearly, and I mean, he swore up and down that it follows was the biggest piece of shit he's ever seen in his life, and I, I just couldn't, I just didn't understand what he was talking People about. People are pretty, pretty split down the middle on it. I've, I've heard the same. 
I, I love fucking it. loved it. You and I saw it together. Theater. We walked out saying there's only been two other times I've been that freaked out in a movie. That old dude coming down the hall. Uh, a lot of those like old people following her and stuff were just really, really terrifying. Well, my, my scariest moment in that film was when the lady's peeing herself and walking towards yeah. her. Yeah. And then w- out, outside, you said when the tall guy walked up behind her. Yeah, that that, that got you. And then we both said the, the most scared I ever got in a theater was the girl throwing up in Sixth Sense. That, that was for me. That, I had a 105 fever, which I found out the next day, and I actually thought that I was going to die when I saw that. <laughs> it scared me to such a degree. Probably fever helped. The 105? Other, what the hell was going on in your, in your life? 105.7. I had strep throat in my throat had almost like closed off but I, I didn't even think about a fever and they had to i had to have suppositories it was, it was a real scene 1057 you can die from that yeah 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 it was bad my sister like practically dragged me over her shoulder into the uh urgent care it was real bad did they make you do the cold shower thing to bring your body temp down like in jacob's ladder yeah i, I did some of that uh Ugh. what i did the I used to get strep throat every Thanksgiving-ish. Never had it. The second I got health insurance, never got it again. My throat would essentially close off. And my buddy Mike told me, hey, if you ever get strep throat, what you do is you wad up a peanut butter sandwich, a full peanut butter sandwich. Wad it up into a tight ball and just swallow as hard as you can the entire sandwich wadded up. Now, what I came to find out is this guy would have a sore throat and for some reason that like coded and helped him and kind of stretched things out. He said he was not fucking with me because I told him that I, I did this and it almost killed me. <laughs> and I, I believed him. He was like, I was not fucking with you. It worked for me. But at about two in the morning, I was like, I'll do anything to make this stop. Medicine isn't working. Wadded up a PB sand. Swallowed it. It immediately <laughs> fully lodged in the tiny hole in my throat. I could not scream. My parents were upstairs asleep. I was like 17. And I swiped onto the floor a plate and broke it, (laughs) praying that somebody would hear it. My mom came running downstairs, and I was like, and it was real gross. There was like a lot of reaching in, a lot of wet fingers and peanut butter covered fingers coming out. And uh, I tried to make myself puke. And she was like, Pat, what? the hell were, were you thinking right because i was too old to be doing something this stupid and i was like mike told me it's the only thing to help she's like he was messing with you obviously right to this day it's a, it's a source of controversy right i it, it could have been he was messing with me and then when he heard i was stupid enough to do it and almost died he backed out i think that's what you're doing to me right now with orphan you're trying to get me to go back and watch it i don't give two shits if you watch it but i would uh, give orphan guy. an a you hear how he talks? I give Orphan an A. You hear how he talks? What did you... But here's the thing. You can't just say The Conjuring 2 was boring and it just because it's boring. What was boring about it? There, was, there were a good amount of scares. There were a good amount of scary sequences. Uh, I liked how I liked the mystery of are they going to figure out how to defeat this thing? I liked how they did figure out how to defeat the thing. I liked that that nun kept haunting her through the movie. I, I really didn't care about the nun. I mean, me, uh, me and my buddy were very bored. The audience it did suck. It was kind of a boring crowd, I guess. But just like it, it had nothing for me. The little the little thing that was kind of like the Baba Duke type uh, thing you were talking about. The skinny man? Yeah. I like that. Nothing else. What was he called? Registers look, to look, me Look all. that up. What was he called? He's not called the skinny man. He's called like the... You like Babadook, by the way? Uh, it's a fine film, but I, I wouldn't say it was scary or that memorable. But, I mean, it was well done. I liked it. I thought the, her and the kid were both great. Yeah, I thought, I thought everything was in place. I just, you know, it just didn't really excite me. Because, yeah. again, it's... You know, if it's, I want it to be supernatural. I like supernatural. I don't like where at the end you find out it wasn't supernatural. It was all in their head, or sure, there's actually a logical explanation. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. That just, that's, that always feels like a letdown to me. 
Uh, what what's what what do you got here on this guy from The Conjuring I'm Two? Getting no name. I guess I'm going to the old wiki page. Because there's the song. It's the the lanky man, the lanky man. Yeah. Walked around. They're, and they're doing a spinoff film with the nun. Yeah. I'm excited Come on. about that. Why? What's the problem? Did you enjoy Annabelle? Annabelle. I didn't see it. I own it. I've seen it. Uh, it's not great. Did you enjoy what was that other puppet one from like seven, eight years ago? Child's Play? No, no, no. Like the one that came out like around the same time as Transformers. Dead Silence. That is just. Uh, there's also Justin Lin. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a good movie. Okay. And I couldn't have been more excited to see a horror movie than I was for Dead Silence because I love evil puppets. I mean, it's it really gets me. Okay. And it's 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 just bad. In fact, I just read a thing where it was like bad movies by great horror directors. And his was Dead Silence. Because yeah. I've revisited so many times, and I'm like, I've got to be missing something. Like, this guy doesn't make bad movies. Like, he... he and it's terrible. Yeah. It, it's just really... Mark you do Wal- one of the uh, Final Destination? I don't think so. That's, Mark a, that's Wahlberg, a franchise I really loved. I mean, here's the problem. That's... You love the Final Destination franchise? I had a lot of fun with, as far as I can remember, every one of them. I mean, the first two And there's were, kills I remember now 15 years later. The first two were enjoyable, bed, but after that, it's like, who gives a shit? Those, to me, really brought back the spirit of, of in a different way than It Follows and all those, but brought back the spirit of kind of uh, the cheesy 80s horror. Yes. And I liked it quite a bit. Uh, that's what I wanted from Dead Silence. I thought it was sure. going to get back to a sort of child's play kind of thing. Who stars I, in Dead Silence? Well, uh, Donnie Wahlberg. There it is. Uh, and he does this thing through the movie. He plays a cop. He plays like a hard-boiled cop. Okay. And he does this thing through the movie. Every scene, he's always got an electric razor. And oh, he's always boy. shaving. Wherever he, That's like his thing. Wherever he's going, he's always that's shaving. That's his character development. Yeah, and it's like, what, what the fuck is this? Like, I would not speak to that man. I would say, I'm not talking to you <laughs> until you... Put that not not even in your pocket because I don't want little shavings falling. Actually, go wash your face off. <laughs> then you can come back and interrogate me about my whereabouts yeah, on the night so, that this puppet killed a family. And then, like you know, of course, he's the character that eventually has to learn to believe as he investigates the sure. case, realizes the puppets are doing it. It's a cool story too. It's like a witch lady that like lured children in, and it's yeah. a really cool story. And it's scary because there's puppets. But it's not good. It just okay. doesn't. It's just not well done. You a puppet master fan? Uh, you know, I like the first one. I mean, those are. I never saw any of them. Those are the what's it called? Uh, uh, what's the company that does those? Full Moon or whatever, you know. And they did, they did those, and they did demonic toys. And yeah, yeah. Probably robot jocks. They might have done the Reanimator films, which I'm a huge fan of. Now, do you? Where do you go on Child's Play? I've only seen one. I love Child's Play 1. I love Child's Play 2. I th- think I like 3. I don't remember. I haven't seen it in a while. Three, is that like a military base? Yeah. Okay. But I think I like it. I just can't remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. And I really liked Curse of Chucky quite a bit. The Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, I could care less about. I, I didn't like when they went in that comedy direction. I kind of dug them. Those I definitely saw. So I've seen more than just the one. Now, uh, y- y- you people aren't here to see this, but Pat looks as if he's about to fall asleep. I'm, I'm, I'm wide I awake. Th- I know you are, but you still haven't answered my question, and I think it's because of the s- way you're sitting. <laughs> <laughs> what did you find boring about The Conjuring Part 2? That's a, It's a very difficult thing to, to put into words why you found anything boring. Uh, it's the same thing as do I find it funny? If I laughed, I found it funny. If I'm bored, I found it boring, and I was bored the entire time. Would I would I have liked it more at 90 minutes? Probably. Would I have even noticed the missing 45? Probably not. It was it was a bit long. I'll give you that. It's too long. I'll give you that. Horror and comedy should not be longer than like an hour 45. Uh. Shouldn't happen. Well, just I mean, look, the great horror films, 
of our time are definitely longer than that. The Exorcist, The Shining. Look, if you got a fucking all-time classic, then then take your time. But you don't, I don't think, with Conjuring Two. I think that's what he was attempting to do. Uh huh. It felt like a. It felt like an unsettling late seventies horror movie to me. Okay. Or mid seventies horror movie. Uh, with the choice, I mean, but it is literally, it's the same movie. It opens with them at another case yeah. that will come back throughout the film to uh-huh. haunt them, no pun intended. It, during the, at the end of that sequence, it turns to a f- still shot of the two of them, the demon hunters. A thing scroll, a text thing scrolls up the screen that says who they are and then ends with saying, but one case was so evil. Yeah. So yeah. both of them start like that. Then it shows the title, and then it's they go to a haunted house, and all the same shit happens again. One of the kids gets possessed, or yeah. somebody in the house gets possessed. There's a ghost here, or something bad happened here. I, I All I can say is I prefer the original, uh, and I was bored by the second. I don't, I don't really know what else to say. But I haven't heard many people speaking passionately about The Conjuring 2. Really? Uh, in fact, no one. No one. Critics, friends, everyone always, if they either thought it was okay or... What's it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Let me check. I'm curious. I'm going to take a guess. 85%. Mm, that's probably a little high, but I think it did get a nice little... Uh... I'm guessing 85%. Okay. Contra. And I Two. bet... Huh? Rotten Tomatoes. I would be surprised if it wasn't in the 90s. I know the, f- the original was. Yeah. You know. Conjuring 2. Rotten Tomatoes has a 80%. Only 80. Correct. Well, I would have guessed 85 as I did, Pat. Conjuring 1. Has what? You're saying in the 90s. Well, for some reason it didn't come up. Now, do you think if you saw The Conjuring 2, let's pretend that was the first one. Yeah. Do you think you would have been bored? Yeah, I mean, probably. Just, uh, I find I found them very boring. The original has an 86. I found the actors boring. There was no real standout. There was no one to root for. I didn't care about the family or the kids. I can't tell if Patrick Wilson's a good actor or not. I really loved him in the second season of Fargo. Um, I've liked him in things, Hard Candy, that girl's episode was kind of fun. I liked him in that. You know, I, I think he's he has never done anything different than that. Although in Fargo, he had what I eventually realized was a very difficult role where he is just playing a purely good and nice man in a terrible world. And he was really, really great in it. And he grows up to be, not a spoiler at all, Ted Danson in it who was fucking amazing in uh Fargo. Wait, he plays the young Ted Dance. Correct. Fargo's the best never, show on television. I've never watched Fargo yet. It's the best show on television. I heard it's amazing. The first couple you're kinda like, I'm not sure I'm on board and then from then on it's it's fantastic. And it's got nothing to do with the Coen Brothers movie. It has a lot to do with the Coen Brothers movie. And there's m- multiple nods in every episode, multiple, for like a serious Cohen fan, they reference every one of their movies constantly. So, in what ways is it connected to the Cohen brothers' film um, Fargo? You know, because everybody goes, "No, it's not the same characters. It's not the same time period. It's not." Finding out is actually, you know what? What? <laughs> what? Clearly, I I sensed that I was wrong, and they made fun of me for this at work when Fargo was on. Much as I messed up vacation, Patrick Wilson does not grow up to be Ted Danson. <laughs> and right. I made that mistake on the show as well. So, folks, don't See, hold me This is why that. I don't trust your opinions on these films. No, I, I just... Because I know. don't think you know what you're watching half the time. <laughs> I bet you were inside... That's a it's, a, it's a, minor, it's a minor point. There are characters who grow up to be other characters, and they look nothing like the person they're supposed to be. I feel like you were watching Inside Out. You thought it was The Conjuring 2. You didn't know. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure that Colin Hanks grows up to be. Nope, not. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. And well, I won't in watch any it case, again. the fun of the show is finding out in what ways it connects to the In what ways it connects. Story. You know, I'll say that uh, when Buscemi 
buries the money and puts that ice scraper in there. That plays a big role in season one, that money. Because um, it's after the movie season one. Right. And but then the second season is like in the 80s or something, right? Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll say stuff like, uh, no, second season is in the 70s. Or 70s. And first season is in the modern day. Yeah, well, it must take place after the film. Yeah, it does. Uh, and they'll they'll reference like, well, you know, all that crazy shit that went on in Brainerd and stuff like that. You know, there. But there's nods to all the Coen Brothers movies all the time, musical nods, dialogue nods, etc. So it's and the a- Coen Brothers give it their blessing, but they're also kind of like, you know, not involved in any way. They're not involved in any way. It's just a, they their EPs on it. I'm sure they get a nice check on it. But they're not involved. I'm sure they had to say, okay, and that dude, his name's Noah Hawley, uh, created the show, and I think the guy did a fantastic job. There's so nothing it's better essentially, on it's essentially taking the universe of Fargo, the film, and expanding it and saying, this is a much bigger thing. Yeah, These yeah, yeah. people all have uh, you know, other uh, roots planted yes. elsewhere and things that led events that led to them doing this thing in the movie yeah and it's very funny and it's also got like crazily good action sequences and everybody in it is great actors you haven't seen in a while uh everybody shines strongly recommend all right i auditioned for the show i didn't get the part part do you remember uh it was some guy on a cold road who comes into town that could be literally anyone. I remember the line is like something like he's like has a he squares off with the cop on the road and he's like, well, look at this. Two men just talking on the side of a cold road. He's like some bad guy coming in. OK, there's going to be trouble character. I don't know. I've never seen the show. OK, that's just what I auditioned for, though. So they, again, could have been kind of a lot of people. But. Yeah. What do, what do you want from me, Pat? I'm already on one hit show. I can't be on <laughs> two. Uh, I saw the Purge uh, election year. You went to see that. I did. I really enjoyed the first Purge with obviously some reservations. I thought right. it was a great low budget, you know, thriller. Ethan Hawke was great in it. Can't I liked go wrong it. with Ethan Hawke usually. Um, the second I thought it was the whole time in the first one. I'm like, this is such a genius present p- presence premise premise. Jesus Christ. Such a genius premise. Go easy on yourself. It's all right. Why the fuck are they keeping it contained in this one house? That was my whole thing. I was like, somebody came in and pitched this idea, and the guy behind the table didn't go, no, you don't want to know what's going on in one house the night of the purge. Right. You want to be out in the purge. And then, of course, two brought that home. I thought two was was good. Three starts with a scene of, like, the president's advisors all sitting around a table and this guy acting. It's one of the worst performances I've ever seen <laughs> in a theatrically re- released movie. He's like, uh, well, bring this C word. I can't even do it. I'm going to lose my voice. He but says like, C word. The, you know, I don't say he that says word. He cunt. What are you, a child? I say don't it. say that word. He says, bring this cunt. All right, Ghostbusters people. I don't say it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, but it's such a ludicrous performance that kicks the movie off, and you're like, is this a joke? Uh, hey, wait, this is the president, because I'm trying to look up as you tell this story. Yeah. This uh, is the guy who plays the president. It, or, His performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. But who knows when it comes, when it's Pat Walsh telling you, could be an 11-year-old kid. I or have, the president of the United States. One I or the other. I have been diagnosed as having an OCD brain, and it makes it hard for me to focus on things, but I won't take Adderall because I think it turns your brain to mush. All right. Now, t- so it starts with this scene, and what happens in this scene? The per he's like, we need, it, it's election year, so it's basically they're kind of loosely alluding to uh, what's going on now, I felt like, but very loosely because I'm sure it was made prior to it although they churn those movies out real fast the actor you've seen him a million times he's been good in other things his name is raymond j barry just a terror i'm sorry now somebody's gonna at him or something <laughs> he's been great in many things but and i'm sure he was directed to give this absolutely ludicrous performance 
Raymond J. Barry, who plays with the he plays the president. <laughs> yes. I already tuned out. I'm not listening. Sorry. The president or perhaps an advisor. I've already All I right. watched these a long time ago. You know, I saw it a long well, time the, ago. Well the the purge election year came out a month ago. It wasn't that long ago. I, it's it seems long to me. When I walk out of it, I'm like, All right, I don't ever need to think about it again. Oh yeah, I know this guy. Yeah, of course. Raymond J. Barry. All right, so he says the cunt and her purge needs to stop. Is that yeah. What it is? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then what? Oh, yeah, he's in training day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's great in that. All right. Plot mass. To se- nope. Senator what is- Charlie Ru- Yeah, okay, so he is the president. No, no, Charlie. Listen, Pat. The NFFA, headed by Caleb Warren. Just focus for a View second. her as a threat to their rule. So it's the new... F- new founding father yeah they're like they want to do the purge she's going to get rid of the purge and she could get elected yeah and he and Hence she's a big threat and they want to kill her the c-word so then they want to kill her during the purge obviously yeah exactly okay um so then what happens you know the the scares are weak there's you know some terrible humor attempts the uh, you've never seen anyone in the movie before it looks like it cost about a million dollars <laughs> Um, right. You know, I, I'm surprised they couldn't just put a little more time into it, I guess. But it is election year. And that, now that I'm saying it, is why probably the movie was so rushed and cheap is because they wanted to get it out before the election. Right. I can almost guarantee it. Yes, I uh, I would guarantee you that, too. I would guarantee you that, too. All you right. Know, because now, Joe, they don't make movies. They, they try to make release dates, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I'm told... You're not paid to act these days. You're paid to perform. Yeah. I think the great Al Pacino once said that. Uh, All right, so the purge election year sucked. I mean, you know. But here's what confuses me is that somehow you're putting... Because I didn't even see it because I was like, it looks stupid. I don't care enough. Yeah. I'm also not a huge fan of those kinds of movies. But... Or those kinds of horror movies. I'm not... You know, like slasher stuff, violent... Physical, like just people being violent. It's got to be really special, like Halloween or something sure, like that, sure. for me to be into it. But um, why do you think we don't have new slashers coming out? They do. They were like, redoing was, Halloween for a third time. But that was all they were doing for a while, like Wolf Creek and Cry Wolf and all those. Like that was like I feel yeah. like the I know what you did last summer. All those movies and Scream, the whole nineties. Yeah, were, I, that's why I sort of feel like it's it's time again because that's that's been fifteen, sixteen years at this point. I mean, the Collector is not too old. I mean, what is that? Five, five years old, maybe four years old. Never saw it. Um, the uh, I think that's a slasher. Right? You consider that a slasher movie? Yeah. Do you, you ever see? I caught three minutes the other night and was like. Boy, this is miserable. Uh, the movie called Captivity, with Alicia Cuthbert being held in the basement. Oh, I remember seeing the trailers Ooh. for that. This that thing was, was. I was like, "Is am I watching Holocaust footage?" <laughs> it made me feel so terrible. Just that few minutes. That's why I don't like stuff like that. It makes yeah. me sad. Yeah. I'm like, this is just stuff I'd hear on the news, and I'd be depressed after. Yeah. Well, you know, Heather and I went up to see. Uh, um, just any movie that was starting. Sometimes that's fun to do. Go up to the Grove and try to see something. So we're like, all right, Purge it is. Heather hates scary movies. But it starts, and they got this whole family tied up and screaming and crying, and this guy's, like, slapping them around, and they're bloody and everything. And I look over, and Heather's eyes are huge, and she just looked kind of traumatized. And yeah. I was like, let's get out of here and go see this Mike and Dave. And then we probably had a, mu- probably had a much better time and overrated that movie because... Right. Because you were just Heather relieved. was like, "Thank God I don't have to sit and watch this anymore." But the, then I went back and saw it anyway. Because <laughs> I got to be a completist if I see five minutes of something. Really quick, too, just to come back to it, full circle. Well, not full circle. I mean, we, we veered off on Orphan. Here's the alternate ending. Uh, in an alternate ending uh, for Orphan, Kate, after Kate saves Max from Lena and they escape, Lena is seen hurrying into her room. There she is shown with a face covered in bloody cuts while she reapplies her makeup, which poorly hides the cuts. She then puts on the dress she wore on her first day of school and greets the police at the top of the stairs by curtsying and introducing herself as Esther. 
how does the movie itself end? She dies, right? In the orphan as it is? Yeah. Yeah, they kill her. Hurling sure. them both into the... Oh, that's right. It's the ice, right? Yeah. Okay. Well... You know who produced that movie? DiCaprio. Did he really? Yeah. Well, now I'm worried that I talk so much shit about it. I'll be ruined in this town. <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert gave Orphan 3 out of fi- 3.5 stars. Only has a 55% on Rotten Was Tees. that While Alive, Ebert? Yeah. You know what I find baffling now is that they'll include on reviews... Like when they're listing reviews, Roger Ebert dot com, and right. you're always it always throws me like, I don't know that it should be called that anymore. It's Ro- just weird Rich, to me. Rich Roper is my go-to guy now that Ebert's gone. Okay, I always check with Richard Roper. He seems to have a very fair, balanced opinion. Yeah, I I always liked Roper, but to me, he was kind of, you know, it's kind of how I felt about Siskel. To some degree. I always was an Ebert guy through and through. Roper, he never really talks too passionately about anything. He's always just kind of like, I don't know. He doesn't move me one way or the other. I just like that he has, I found his opinions to be very accurate. I like Peter Travers at Rolling Stones reviews too. but he Peter Travers, he, to me, the worst movie reviewer alive. I think he praises things too easily a lot of the time. You think he's the worst? Why? I could talk for four hours about Peter Travers. Nobody would want to listen, but I could do it. Why? I think he's got to be getting paid, A. Right. His reviews are like that Pete Hammond guy when he was writing reviews, paid reviews for Maxim. He'd get paid off by the studios, and he got found out. Now he writes for Deadline. Another (laughs) great website. So, Peter Travers will say things like, oh, like he'll be talking about Mike and Dave or whatever, some innocent comedy. I'm making this up, but let's. I'm using that as an example because we were just talking about. It. He'll be like, uh, "Sure, the uh, sensitive culture police won't like some of the." You know, he's always putting himself in this rebel outsider stance. He's right. a 65 year old man right. who's a fucking dork. There's nothing cool about him, and he's always like, "Oh." I realize it might not be everybody's cup of tea. That's how he approaches every review and that no one could like this special jewel but him because it's outside of the Hollywood system. All right. And if you really read a review with that in mind of him acting like he's some fucking outsider while praising every single movie that comes out. Well, you ruined it for me. Yeah, he's garbage. He's ruined. I think he gives way too much praise to things a lot of the time, but I do essentially like what he has to say. Yeah. Uh, I think the worst movie reviewer of all time is Sandy Canyon. Uh, Canyon sucks. Yeah, and I don't know if he's everywhere. I mean, Shallot sucks, but you got to love those I like Rex Reed. Reed's an old bitch. (laughs) (laughs) What a fucking bitch that guy is. He is sassy. I like him. I like him. I mean, there's even sassier. There's like that... uh, the guy online that always stirs people up, Jeff Wells or whatever. And then there's the ultimate. This guy, even though I know he's a troll, he used to write for, I believe, The Village Voice when I lived in New York. I would rip the paper open so fast, like getting newsprint and cuts in my hand, dying to read his article so that I could be upset. And I would go, I know he's a troll. I know. He's... And you'd flip it open, and all he does is release his reviews a little after everyone else's, and whatever everyone else says, he says the opposite. I love it. He, he was online saying, recently, <laughs> saying that anyone who uh, refers to Bill Cosby as a, as a rapist is racist, and it's only motivated out of racial hate. And then the comments will be like, but hundreds of women, and he'll be like, you're a racist too. And it's almost admirable. And he's That's a he, he's a black guy, uh, which so you know it's kind of harder for him to attack. But he'll take these weird racist slants on movies. He praises. I wish I had examples for you, but he praises only dog shit, and he spends all his time shitting on movies that everyone loves that's well that's what sandy kenyon would do but he yeah. wouldn't but he would do it not in a trollish way in a way that and if you're not if you don't live in new york they his movie reviews would play on the tvs and the taxis yeah and he 
you know, something, you know, wonderful would come out, you know, the, uh-huh. like, like the prestige I loved so much. I can't remember what he thought of it, but like. First uh, is the turd. Uh, yeah. Then the flipsy. <laughs> and then third is the prestige. I mean, it, when it came out, it was, I, I loved it so much. I thought yeah. it was a masterpiece. Cool movie. And he'll just shit all over that. And then meanwhile, he'll do a review of like Morning Glory. <laughs> just can't say enough nice Thank stuff you. about the Rachel McAdams movie with Look, Harrison Ford. Can I tell you something? It's good. I liked it too. It's good. But I'm saying high praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High praise. Oh. I enjoy seeing, seeing Ford, you know, sure. lose his gruff exterior by the end of the <laughs> film. I liked it. I know. I watched, speaking of Diane Keaton, Love the Coopers. John Goodman, Diane Keaton is a Christmas movie. Uh, Olivia Wilde, whatever. I love almost every Christmas movie. I love Goodman. Fine with Keaton at this point. Used to love her. I'm like, I'll settle in and have a real nice time with this thing. Folks, you would not believe how, how shitty this thing was. Steve Martin is narrating it for some reason. He's not playing a character. That really bothers me when somebody distracting is narrating it. It's so obviously Steve Martin, who played Diane Keaton's husband in Father of the Bride. So right there, you're like, why is this happening? And he narrated Father of the Bride as well. So nothing makes sense. I, I guess they probably wanted him. And he was like, I can't do it. They give it to Goodman. And he's like, I will narrate it if you throw me a million bucks. Just a, a real disaster. You hated everyone in it. It's like a dysfunctional family movie, but you want everyone to die. It's Alan Arkin and June Squibb. And... I remember my mom expressing her extreme disappointment and surprise that Christmas with the Cranks wasn't a good movie. <laughs> I mean, she talked about it the whole it Christmas good? that year. I've never seen it. Of no, course it's either. not good. You, so, you know, you never know with these things. It looked terrible, but she was like, you know, it just wasn't good. Like, how shocked she was that yeah. she thought it could have been great. My buddy Ian, you know, because I like Paul Blart Mall Cop. That's a movie where we'd all be like, oh, of course that fucking sucks or whatever. But then the people that watch it know. First half of that movie is funny as shit. It starts so strong. Very funny. Also with him and his mom is gold. It's another Ghostbuster scenario for me. Yeah. It starts strong and then it just falls apart. I, but, a lot of comedy. I mean, when he's that. eating that fucking pie and oh, he's great. T- talking to himself and he's going, pie fills the cracks of the heart. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's it's great, and then it yeah. just it just goes to shit, man. That's why I, I always watch a shitty comedy. Uh, I watched the Benchwarmers on your recommendation the other day. Some laughs, but I I, mean, I always love my favorite review of a comedy is something that everybody hates. Like my buddy Ian was like talking about Wild Hogs, and I was like, I'm not seeing that piece of shit. Like everybody knows that's bad, and he kind of got quiet, and he was like, There's quite a few laughs in there, a <laughs> couple laughs. All right, I'm like. All right, I'll DVR Wild Hogs. Did you DVR it? I got it's been sitting there for a while. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, the hardest I laughed all year was was watching Bench Warmers for the first time and watching a man projectile vomit against the door of a porta potty because John Hader's shit smelled so bad. I was yeah, you told me about that, and I was waiting for that scene. It was gross, uh, and that was a funny little. That movie had some funny parts. Lovitz was funny. The yeah, Lovitz is great in it. An the, even better vomit gag is in the fucking do-over when David Spade pukes. We talked about it here. my favorite scene in the do-over. And the best part of the bench warmers is they just let Rob Schneider be a straight man. They yeah. don't even try to let him be funny. Straight great. man. Thank you. Who is actually uh, in the love scene with his impossibly gorgeous wife has pulled the covers up over his nipples. When he's sitting in bed after she leaves, he's like, and not played as a joke. He's trying to pass it off as natural right. while covering his body. Yeah. Rob Schneider, who stands, I guess, four nine. Yeah. In real life. Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to believe he's like this dreamboat jock from high school. Like, just <laughs> well, had all the ladies. That, that reveal cool. came in 20 minutes in, and I was like, what? <laughs> Have you watched Rob Schneider's uh, Netflix show? It's a shit show. It's a disgrace. I'm sure. It's terrible. Single cam? Uh, it's a single cam. It's like his version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I tried to watch it w- because my friend Jamie is uh, a big part of the show, yeah. and I love him, and I want to support him. I tried watching this. Within five minutes of it starting, he's he's at the airport bitching about his assistant being late to pick him up. Oh. 
And then it's him. Then J- my buddy Jamie comes in, who's playing the assistant. He screams at the assistant. And his whole thing is like, I have a 40-year-old assistant. What's wrong with me? And it's like, you're just coming off like an ass. Nobody can relate to yeah. this. People don't have assistants. Yeah, yeah, it, And it, it's just like, it's supposed to be like, look how funny it is that he's being a dick. And it's like, it's not funny. He just seems like a dick. I, I well, no, I won't even talk about it. I was going to talk about a, a show of a comedian who was a friend of yours that bummed me out this year, but I'll, I'll do it after. All right. Well, you want to cover the mic and mouth it like we did in the last thing? Sure, here we go. Just for a running theme? Yeah. Just a lot of uh, material about how difficult fame is. And when your whole life becomes fame, of course that's that's what you're thinking about, but the quickest way to lose audiences, and if not just they, they lose interest in you, to actually have them dislike you, is when you spend all of your time talking about the perils and the difficulties of fame to the point where your entire show becomes about that. Yeah, that's nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. Uh, Pat, look, let, I, I got, I'm not going to lie to you. I got hot dogs in the fridge. I'm, I'm dying to eat. I, I can respect that. Uh, plugs. Uh, new fiction column up now on Fangoria.com. Some severe situations. Uh, by the time this episode drops, probably the second story will probably be out by then. Uh, so check that out, and uh, we should be in the dead heat of August by now, so come see me in Edinburgh. I am here now in Scotland uh, at the Fringe Festival, com for all the details of the shows and things. And uh, in September, I will be in uh, Arizona at Stand Up Scottsdale. I will also be uh, at a casino in Minneapolis that I can't remember the name of right now. Uh, I apologize. Pat, I am at the Patrick Walsh Twitter, Vine, Instagram. Uh, I also recently did a second appearance on an extremely funny podcast called Hollywood Handbook with Sean Clements and Hayes Davenport, a couple good friends of mine. Uh, it's just a very funny improv show. You go in the the premise of the podcast is you're a Hollywood douchebag, and it's supposed to be like the worst conversation you would hear at like a Hollywood Starbucks. And uh, it's very fun. Had a good time. They uh, are critically acclaimed, but they were talking about how they don't have a lot of listeners. Give it a listen. You like uh, you like us, you might like them. And if you want to listen, I'm on the one called Showrunners Panel. That's it. You've been listening to We'll See You in Hell, presentation of the Fangoria Podcast Network, produced by Thomas DeFeo, executive produced by Ken Hanley of Fangoria Entertainment. For press opportunities, advertising inquiries, and information about We'll See You in Hell, contact Ken. His email is ken at fangoria.com. See you later.